The following program is for informational purposes only. Do not make any investment without speaking to a licensed financial advisor. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? And welcome to today's edition of the Financial Physician Podcast. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner. And your money doctor. We get together once a week. Uh, we upload our program 7 a.m. Sunday morning, available to you for about, I don't know, four or five weeks. And thanks for taking time out of your busy week to join us for our two hour podcast where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything I feel like talking about. On today's show, we got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I didn't get to this last week. I was hoping to get to it. Um, a new study out predicts thousands of U.S. cities will be ghost towns. By the year 2100, um, it looks like uh, we may be on the verge of a horrible war with Iran. Uh, we're going to jump into that. Do you like chocolate? Well, cocoa prices hit a 46-year high this week. Uh, so obviously, chocolate prices are going up. Uh, how about this story? An Egg McMuffin in Connecticut went for over $7 uh, this week. Uh as we see inflation in fast food, uh, totally out of control. Uh, what do we else do we have? Oh, how about these illegals who beat up New York uh, police department cops? Uh, released with no bail. Given free tickets to California under fake names. Uh, totally out of control. Uh, if you didn't think that they're fudging the numbers uh, <laughs> out of Washington, this week's jobs report that came out Friday... Totally double what anybody expected, uh, which is par for the course with the uh, the economic numbers come out. There's going to be no bad economic numbers allowed to be released to the public until after the election. It's just that simple. So we're going to jump into some of the economic numbers that are you have to laugh when you read them. Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, looks like the the banking crisis of last year never really went away. If you have um, New York Community Bank, I think I would be uh, one of the first ones there. Uh, to get my money out, uh, it looks like they may be experiencing uh, what Silicon Valley Bank did. As a matter of fact, uh, they bought them out, so they just bought their problems. Uh, mass media continues to die off. It looks like people have just had it with the fake media, and more and more uh, outlets are closing, laying people off. Uh, and um, homelessness in the United States is up 48% since 2015. And Americans are being laid off by the droves, and um, the GDP and the unemployment, all those numbers are good. Uh, how about this? 75% of House Democrats voted against deporting criminal migrants who commit um, Social Security fraud. 
Also, 75% of the Democrats voted against a bill that would deport illegals if they committed a drunk driving offense. Just, you, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, how can you be against a bill to deport somebody who's putting the public at risk or stealing money from senior citizens through identity theft and social security fraud? They're just so pro-immigration. Uh, well, we'll get into that later in the program. So lots to talk about today on the Financial Physician Podcast. So let's get started. All right, I uh, got a email from one of our listeners, Tim from Bayville, New Jersey. He writes, hi, Lou, love your podcast. Listen every week since I discovered you two years ago. Thanks for your explanation on stop loss orders last week. I finally understand why you would want to do this. Can you explain what short selling is? How can you sell a security that you don't own? I will be listening Sunday morning for your response. Keep up the good work. Tim from Bayville. Tim, thanks for the email. Great question. And I, I don't know if I've ever covered this. I probably did uh, over the 24 years I've been doing this show. Um, but short selling is kind of a, an advanced technique that professionals namely use. Now, individuals can do it too. But what you're basically doing is you're betting that a security, let's say a stock, uh, is going to go down. So you want to profit by that. You know, most of the time you're a long a stock. The word long means you own it. Short means you borrowed it and sold it. But most people are long stocks. They're buying it because they expect that it's going to go up. And many investors don't know that you could make money on the way down. As a matter of fact, I've made more money shorting stocks than I've made owning them or being long those stocks. So how does it work? Well, the first thing is you borrow stock. You open up a brokerage account. It's got to be a margin account. You got to put money in the account. You have to have a minimum amount, usually about 50% of the value of the short that you're going to put on. So if you're going to short something for $10,000, you have to have 5000 in the account, right? So what happens is you, you tell your brokerage firm, I want to short XYZ stock. They will find the stock and borrow it. They'll either borrow it from another margin account that they have at their brokerage firm, or they'll borrow it from their own inventory. A lot of big brokerage firms own all these stocks, so they could just lend it to you. Now, you're going to pay interest on the margin account, you're also going to pay a fee to borrow the stock, and it depends how long you're going to hold it. So let's use an example. Let's say you uh, think a stock's going to go down, XYZ stock, and you short 1,000 shares at $10. So you borrowed the stock, you sold it. Now you have a credit of $10,000. You sold it for $10,000. $10,000 goes into your account. Now you still owe the brokerage firm those 1,000 shares. Now, your idea is, well, when it goes lower, I'll buy it back for less than I sold it for, give back the stock, and I make the difference. So you sell first and you buy second. And a lot of people can't wrap their mind around that. How can you sell something you don't own? Because you're borrowing it from the brokerage firm. So let's say you, uh, you shorted a stock, XYZ stock, at $10. You get a $10,000 credit. The stock goes down. Whoopee, that's what we want. It goes down to $7 a share. We decide that that's as far down as it's probably going to go, and we buy the 1,000 shares back at $7 a share for $7,000, give the shares back to the brokerage firm, and now we made a $3,000 profit because we sold at 10 and we bought at 7 It's just the opposite of buying first and then selling, all right? but you just hope it goes down. Now, what if the trade goes against you? How will the trade go against you? Well, it goes against you when the stock goes up. So say you short 1000 at 10 
The stock went up to 13. You're starting to get panicky now because the higher it goes, the more you're going to lose. And you start getting nervous and you buy it back at 13 to cover your short. That's called covering the short because you have to cover it at some time. I mean, you owe that to the brokerage firm. So if I sold it at 10 and I got $10,000 for that stock, but I have to buy it back at 13 to make good delivery, I just lost $3,000. I know it's a little complicated. I don't want to get too in the weeds with it, but just, just it's this simple. If you think something's going to go down, you short it. It's like buying low and selling high, except you're selling high and then buying low. It's just a matter of putting, you know, the, the sale in front of the buy. But the problem with margin is very risky. Why is it risky? Number one, most people buy stocks. They don't go short them. So you have a natural long um, uh, bias in the market in general. Markets in general will go up over time. But also, you have unlimited risk. Now, if you own a stock or you're long a stock, to use the right nomenclature, uh, the most you could lose is the amount you invested. That's not true when you're short a stock. When you short a stock, you have unlimited risk because there's no limit to how high that security can get. You can't go below zero on the way down, but you know you can keep going up. $10 stock becomes a $20 stock, becomes a $30 stock, becomes a $50 stock, becomes a $200 stock. And you could be wrong for a long time. There's an old saying. Who was it? Um, I think it was uh, uh, Maynard Keynes. He stated, he said, the market can stay irrational longer than you could stay solvent. So you may be right. You may say, this market's so overvalued, or this NVIDIA stock with this AI stuff, it's crazy how high it's gone. I think it's way overvalued. I'm going to short it because I know it's going to go down. But it keeps going up, and it keeps going up. And you're getting nervous. You're getting panicky. And if it goes up too much, your brokerage firm's calling you to put up more money because now you don't have the 50% margin anymore. And then you have other people who are short the market that are starting to panic too. And that creates something called a short squeeze. Now, if you're a long stock, you love short squeezes because that makes stocks go up. Because as you start to cover, because you're, you're getting nervous because the stock's going up and you're short, so is everybody else who is short. Hedge funds, institutional investors, individual investors. They're all getting creamed here. And they start panicking and they all start buying to cover their short and minimize their losses, which pushes the stock even higher and causes even further losses. So short selling is not for everybody. And is it ethical? I know it's one of the most misunderstood topics, but it's not necessarily unethical. They say, well, you're betting against the economy. You're betting against uh, the stock and the market. Uh, it's kind of like the, the craps player that plays the don't pass line. You're betting against the table. Nobody likes that guy. Uh, but if done legally, uh, short selling is fine. It provides liqu liquidity to the markets. Uh, now, there's something out there called naked short selling, which is illegal. And we're seeing it a lot now, especially in small technology stocks. Believe me, I'm invested in some of these companies that are being destroyed by naked short selling. Computer programs that just keep selling and selling and selling. Every day the stock goes down. And they're manipulating the market because as the stock market goes down, as that, that stock goes down in value, they're making money and they keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. 
It's criminal, and it's not even being regulated on Wall Street. Uh, you know, Wall Street is the biggest racket there is in the world. You, you think the mob was bad? The mob is nothing compared to the criminal, uh, criminal activities that take place on Wall Street. But if you borrow the stock, it's not unethical to short sell it. And uh, But again, you have to understand um, that uh, short selling is risky. And it's costly because you have to pay interest on your margin account. You have to pay a fee to borrow the stock. And if you hold that short position for, for a long time, you're going to keep paying on it. And you have a market bias that tends to go up. Now, you could short virtually anything, really. You could short the, the bond market if you think interest rates are going up. Could have made a fortune in 2022 shorting bonds, right? Uh, you could short the stock market in general. You could short the S&P 500 ETF, the exchange-traded fund, and you're shorting the market in general. I recently shorted the NASDAQ um, through an ETF that's leveraged to the downside. Um, getting my head handed to me in that market because the NASDAQ seems to be going up every day. Um, so you know you have to be very disciplined in your short, sell, um, your short trading and realize, you know, we talked stop loss orders last week. You want to put a buy loss, stop loss buy uh, in, into it. So say you only want to lose 10%, that's the most, and you short it at 10. You're going to put a buy order in, good till canceled. If it goes to 11 or greater, buy me in, cover my short. That's the most pain I'm willing to take. That's the opposite of a stop loss order when you're long, right? If it goes down a certain amount, automatically sell it. Well, in this case, if it goes up a certain amount, automatically buy it and limit the losses. So I don't recommend short selling for um, the average investor. Um, you know, you have to know what you're doing. Uh, but you've, you could short sell oil if you think it's gone up too much. You could short sell gold. You could short sell virtually anything. And as long as it goes down, it'll be a profitable trade for you. But again, it's not for everybody. Uh, most people listening to me now probably should not engage in short selling. But I got to tell you, I've made the most money in trades being on the short side. That's because things go down quicker than they go up. Why would that be? That's because um, fear is a more powerful emotion than greed. When people start panicking, they become a little irrational uh, and, and they sell. So if you're short something and it goes down a lot or some bad news came out on the company, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier at the open about the, we'll talk about this later in the program, uh, uh, New York Community Bank. You know, big bank here in the Northeast. Uh, obviously, it's having some difficulties. Uh, and when that news came out, uh, the stock opened forty percent down on Wednesday. Uh, boy, if you were short, man, you were happy as hell. If you were long, you're crying. So short sellers can make a lot of money in a down market, especially a market that goes down fast and furious. Um, but then again, uh, markets go up too. So say you're short a stock. And all of a sudden, news comes out that the stock is being taken over at 50% above where it's trading. Uh, that wouldn't be good for the short sellers. Uh, that would be a religious experience for the short sellers. So, I mean, you could short, you, you could short a stock and get a $10,000 credit in it, but you could lose multiples of that if the stock goes up. So be careful if you're short selling. If you, if you want to engage in that, make sure you do a lot of research. Make sure you use tight buy stops so you can't get too hurt. 
but again, uh, I don't recommend it for the average investor. Now, I've been telling you um, for months now, do not trust any economic number that comes out of this government during an election year. Uh, and it's becoming apparent that they're fudging almost every economic number that comes out from the GDP to inflation to, to the jobs report. Now, this Friday, uh, they released the non-farm payrolls report for January. Uh, the markets expected uh, 185,000. Uh, we're seeing an increase in first-time claims for unemployment. We're hearing lots of headlines of, of significant layoffs, especially in the tech industry and the media industry. Uh, but what was the number? The number was 355,000 jobs created. Uh, double, more than double what the economists expected and higher uh, than any uh any any um, estimate by any brokerage firm. Uh, so how does that happen? I mean, ADP came out on Thursday uh, and announced that uh, they're seeing uh, about 185,000 jobs created. Now, who would know better, the government who makes up numbers or would be ADP, who's a payroll processor that knows when people are being added to payroll? Those are actual figures. But the government makes up figures. Uh, it's, uh, and if you look under the, under the hood here, um, the, the U.S. allegedly, okay, added 353,000 jobs. And employment dropped by 31,000. Full-time jobs actually declined by 20, uh, 63,000. And part-time jobs surged by 96,000. Is that a good employment report? When you have full-time jobs dry, uh, dropping by 63,000 and part-time jobs rising by 96,000? Again, if these, these numbers are, are fudged, so we don't even know. It's probably worse than that. But none of this matters to the Bureau of Labor Statistics because they only have one mission right now, and that's to make uh, the Biden economy look really good going into the November elections. Now, the, the labor report, the, the non-farm payrolls number, has been better than expected something like 12 of the last 13 months. And then every one of those numbers were revised down months, much, much later, months later, I should say. Uh, the unemployment rate... Uh, Stayed at 3.7%. Expectations was for it to increase to 3.8%. Uh, but these numbers are just ridiculously fudged. I mean, they use seasonal adjustments. Uh, they use um, birth-death model, just making up how many businesses they think were created and how many people they hired. Uh, there's no numbers, basically, to, uh, to justify that. And check out this headline. Um, what do you call it when the number of layoffs in the U.S. goes up by 136% in just one month? This is from Michael Schneider at the Economic Collapse blog. He goes, uh, wow, our economic problems really are starting to accelerate at a shocking pace. I know that I've been writing about layoffs a lot lately. 
But what is happening to the employment market right now is definitely big news. Day after day, more large companies are announcing mass layoffs. Why would all these large companies be doing this if the outlook for the U.S. economy is promising? That wouldn't make any sense at all. But if these companies are convinced that the U.S. economy is, is headed to recession or worse, it would make perfect sense to slash payrolls at this time. To me, the most accurate numbers that we get are those that come from non-government agencies or non-government sources. And so I was greatly alarmed to learn that Challenger Gray and Christmas just published a report which shows that the number of layoffs in the United States went up by 136% from December to January. Uh, so what would you call what would you call it when a month, uh, the number of layoffs in a month goes up 136%? A catastrophe, maybe. But no, not according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Everything's hunky-dory. They created 353,000 jobs last month. How could you reconcile this? How could you reconcile it? In one month, layoffs went up 136%. But the unemployment rate didn't go up. But net, there was 353,000 jobs created. Um, makes no sense because it's, it's nonsensical. Uh, it's a fraud. Uh, and they're going to continue to do this all year long with every economic number. Look, we live in a, uh, the economy ourselves. We know what's going on out there. We know what's going on with inflation. They're trying to tell us it's only 3.4%. Come on. We know better. They're trying to tell us that the GDP in the fourth quarter uh, was up uh, almost 4%. That's ridiculous. But uh, markets react to it. Uh, it's amazing how quickly knee-jerk the markets just accept these numbers. Uh, and uh, the market don't like when good news comes out. Why not? Because people are saying now, well, how can the Fed lower interest rates in March or May if the economy is showing so, so much strength? That'll just stoke inflation. Look at all these jobs that are being created, how good the economy is. The GDP is almost 4%. How could the Fed lower interest rates in the face of that? Wouldn't that be inflationary? So bond yields went up initially. Uh, the dollar strengthened. Uh, gold went down. Uh, and the stock market went down. Uh, because good news is bad news. Because... The markets are, are so addicted to lower interest rates and cheap money uh, that uh, anything that comes out that means that's going to be delayed, not good for the market. Uh, but it's amazing how smart people just believe whatever the government tells them. I mean, and, and this is not something new. This has been going on for some time. I mean, it's not just the Biden administration, but they're doing it unabashedly. I mean... You know, they could have said 225,000 jobs were created and uh, uh, better than expected. But now today, they're going to trot Biden out to say how Bidenomics is working. Mark my words on that. I may even have a, uh, a clip for you because I'm recording this on Friday morning. So I guarantee you within hours, they're gonna, Biden's going to come out and tell you how great life is in America under Bidenomics. See all the jobs we created? We created 14 billion jobs. 
But if you look at the seasonal adjustments, you, you take the seasonal adjustments out, and we actually lost a ton of jobs in January. But again, they like the seasonal adjustments. It, it means that they could just change the number from the real one that it is to some made-up one because we have to take it into consideration. We have to take it into consideration, the season, whatever that means. Um, Zero Hedge put together a list of some of the most notable layoffs that we've seen in the last few months. And the list goes on and on and on, but you know, here's just some of them. Uh, Twitch, 35% of the workforce. Hasbro, 20% of the workforce. Spotify, 17% of the workforce. Levi's, 15% of the workforce. Wayfair, 13% of the workforce. Washington Post, we'll talk about the dying uh, legacy media later on in the program. Uh, 10% of their workforce is gone. eBay, 9%. Business Insider, 8%. PayPal, 7%. Um, Citigroup, 20,000 employees. Pixar, 1,300 employees. And there's quite a few more on this list. It goes on and on and on. Even Google, Microsoft, Sports Illustrated laid off everybody. Uh, so there's a massive wave of layoffs starting now. Um, so we're going to see a lot of economic chaos, but don't count on the government to come out and report it accurately to you. They're not going to do it. They're going to lie to you. The media is not going to challenge them on it. And, uh, uh, and the sheep will probably believe it. Uh, but it's hard to believe it when we're living it. It's hard to believe it when you're one of those people who lost their full-time jobs and now have to get two part-time jobs just to try to put food on the table. Uh, Not such a great uh, uh, economy, uh, Joe Biden. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to the Financial Physician Podcast. Don't go away. Hey, it's that time again. Income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate 
week from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Welcome back to the Financial Position Podcast. Lou Skatigna here. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You have a, a question that you want me to deal with on the program, like uh, Tim did before about uh, short selling. Um, just send me an email with your question and uh, I'll read it on the air. Uh, or if you just have a personal finance question that I can help you with, uh, just let me know and uh, send me an email and I'll either respond via email or even give you a call. Uh, if it's warranted. Uh, that's Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. And uh, the podcast is growing each and every week, and that's because you guys are sharing it. And, and I, I can't tell you how much it means to me uh, to see the numbers growing each and every week. That means that you guys think that this show has something valuable to give, and you think other people need to uh, hear it as well. So please take some time out of your day today and just you know put it on your social media or email it to your friends and family. Uh, again, that's the way the show grows. Now, we were talking before about uh, the fake numbers coming out of the U.S. Department of Bureau of Labor Statistics, but it's also coming from other agencies uh, in the U.S. government who try to make the economy look much better than it is, uh, and they're not even close. So they want us to believe that the U.S. economy uh, grew at a uh, – it wasn't 4%. Uh, it was uh, – I think it was 3.3%. In the last quarter of 2023, even though we had mass layoffs that I just been chronicling to you, you know, we had the most um, growth in homelessness in 2023. We'll talk about that in a second. Homelessness is rising at the fastest pace ever recorded. And no matter what survey comes out, it shows that most Americans are just barely scraping by, if that, month to month. Something doesn't add up here. Uh, and we're told that uh, all these jobs are being created. Everything's so hunky-dory. And people know it's not true. And that's one thing. It's pretty hard to pull the wool over the, the heads of people uh, when you're talking about the economics. You're talking about their own pocketbook. We all go grocery shopping. We all put gas in our car. Many of us know somebody who's gotten laid off from a good job. I was talking to a client just this week. They said that their their husband was laid off. I think he's 58 or 59 years old from a really good job. Uh, didn't see it coming. Uh, major corporation. And he's been looking for work for six months now. And can't get anything close to the salary that he was making. But as long as the government comes out and tells him that everything's good, then he'll think everything's good, I guess. But if the economy really grew in the fourth quarter 3.3%, that would be good news, right? But how is it possible that layoffs, layoffs were up 98% in 2023 if the economy was growing all year long? So something doesn't add up here. And uh, Zero Hedge, great website, um, said that... Uh, they were using GDP-boosting gimmicks to make things look better than they actually are. 
Turning to the all-important consumption, we can't help but smile when noticing that the BEA is again resorting to such favorite GDP-boosting gimmicks of the old Obama administration as spending on health care and recreational vehicles. The two contributed to roughly half the growth in consumer spending in the fourth quarter. All right, so people going to the hospital <laughs> or going to their doctor uh, means the economy is doing really well. And all those RVs that are being bought, uh, talk to a couple of RV dealers and ask them how business is. They're not going to tell you that people are buying RVs like they were during uh, the COVID pandemic. And if you look at some other um, economic benchmarks, for example, the uh, Chicago's Fed's National Activity Index was negative in December, and it's been negative eight of the last 12 months. Uh, the leading economic indicators have been down something like 16 straight months. Usually if it's down three months in a row, you're in a recession. We've been down something like 16 straight months. But everything's good. And if the outlook for the economy is so good, as I mentioned before, why are all these layoffs happening, mass layoffs? Um, so uh, they're trying to pull the wool over our heads. It's an election year. Uh, Bidenomics is not working. People know that. Uh, but uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear Joe Biden come out Friday afternoon and take credit for creating all these jobs uh, and, that, uh, and that, uh, that Bidenomics is working. The truth is there is an economic downturn already begun. It's going to be quite evident to the average citizen and average family in America. And, and, and sadly enough, you know, it's, it, it's the, the bottom rung of the economic food chain that gets hit the hardest. Um, and we're seeing, uh, like I said before, homelessness growing at a rate we've never seen before. How could that be if things are so good? But according to Joe Biden and his minions in the media, um, the U.S. economy is growing steadily and everything is just great. You believe him, don't you? I don't. <laughs> but maybe you do. But they think you're stupid, and the average American is stupid, so why not pull the wool over their eyes? Yeah, inflation's moderating. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, I, I was stunned to see this, this uh, article today. An Egg McMuffin was once just 99 cents. Can you guess how much one costs today? And this, again, is from Michael Schneider of the Economic Collapse blog. He goes on to say, the days of the 99-cent Egg McMuffin are never coming back. Our, our central bank has been treating our currency like toilet paper, and our politicians in Washington have been borrowing and spending, spending trillions of dollars that we do not have. As a result, we're in the midst of an inflation crisis that seemingly has no end. Of course, the mainstream media insists that inflation is low, but just about everything that we shell out money for on a regular basis cost a lot more these days. For example, just just check out what it will cost you to buy a single egg McMuffin at one, one McDonald's location in Connecticut. McDonald's customer was left astounded after paying $7.29 for a single egg McMuffin in the Connecticut drive-thru. Um, not long ago, you can get two for $2. Remember that? 99 cents each. The bill records the purchase of two Egg McMuffins for $14.58 and 
and one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddle about two, uh, without two half strips of bacon for seven nineteen. Seven twenty nine for 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 one egg McMuffin. Are you kidding me? I would never pay that. So now uh, egg McMuffins are basically seven times the price they were just twenty years ago. Ridiculous! It's really crazy. And it's just one negative article after the other. Here's another headline. This also from Michael Schneider at the Economic Collapse blog. You should you should read him. He's very good. He's really good with statistics. Uh, he ran for Congress uh, as a Republican and lost, I think, in Colorado or something like that. So he says, uh, homelessness in the U.S. is up 48% since 2015. How can anyone out there possibly believe the U.S. economy is doing well? The number of homeless Americans has risen to the highest level ever recorded, and large companies all over the country are laying off workers in droves. As I previously discussed, the number of Americans that were laid off in 2023 jumped 98% compared to the year before. And now, during the first month of 2024, it feels like we are being hit by a tsunami of layoffs. Not according to the Biden administration. 355,000 jobs were created, stunning Wall Street and all economic analysts who didn't think we were going to get to 200,000, let alone 353,000. Uh, and unemployment's only 3.8%. Although John Williams, the economist at Shadow Stats, say if you really figure it out correctly, it's closer to 20. It's a little different, I'd say. Uh, but how can uh, Biden come out and say the economy is doing well uh, when we have uh, such a large number of Americans homeless and that number is increasing at the fastest pace ever recorded? Is there anything more sad than homelessness? Uh, it's, it's just terrible. You know, it's hard to imagine. And many more people, you know, are, are becoming homeless, as they said. But a lot of children, a lot of families are living in vans across this country. The average American believes the American dream is over. Unless you're an illegal immigrant, then you get everything. According to a January 25th report from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies, roughly 653,000 people reported experiencing homelessness in January of 2023, up roughly 12% from the same time a year prior, and up 48% from 2015. That marks the largest single-year increase in the country's unhoused population on record. And we see evidence of this all around. Go to California, go to L.A., go to New York City. You're seeing these tent cities popping up all over major cities. And again, how many people are living in their vehicles or their RVs? And one of the reasons is because of inflation of rental costs. Rent in the United States has steadily climbed since 2001. And um, the Harvard researchers found that half of all U.S. households across income levels spent between 30% and 50% of their monthly pay on housing in 2022, defining them as cost-burdened. Some 12 million tenants were severely cost-burdened that year meaning they spent more than half their monthly pay on rent and utilities, up 14% from pre-pandemic levels. And you're seeing it basically in everything. Our energy bills 
couldn't believe my natural gas bill that I got recently. Now, granted, it's the middle of the winter. I have a big house. I have a gas fireplace that I use a lot. $680 for the month. Electric bills are skyrocketing. We mentioned last week the cost of auto insurance uh, is up anywhere between 25 and 75% over the last couple of years as auto insurers are experiencing losses because, you know, the vehicles are more expensive now and they have more technology in them. So when they have an accident and they have to be replaced, it costs the insurance company a lot more money. Or uh, if they have to replace parts, these, these high-tech parts are very expensive. So they're, they're insuring more, and they got to make you pay for it. Same is true of homeowners insurance, right? The value of homes are going up. That means the, the cost of replacement goes up. So insurance companies have to raise their homeowners insurance. But there's nothing out there uh, that's gone down in price. Everything's gone up, except for wages. <laughs> they haven't gone up very much. So the Biden administration is totally delusional, telling you everything's great. Things are actually bad right now. And they're going to get really bad the second half of 2024, but they're not going to report that to you, especially as we're getting closer and closer to Election Day. Uh, If you have a a good job and and a warm home right now, you should uh, be very thankful because many Americans don't have that right now. If you like chocolate, uh, you're not going to be a happy camper. Uh, Cocoa prices hit a 46-year high as drought concerns threaten West African crops. Cocoa prices climbed to a 46-year high this week in New York as concerns mount that seasonally uh, seasonal harm matin winds across West Africa could dry coconut fields, cocoa fields, and reduce yields for the Ivory Coast mid-crop in April. This would pressure global cocoa production even further. So uh, prices are up 126% since September of 2022. Not even a year and a half. 126%. Um, And, of course, that's going to raise the cost uh, of production, like Hershey. Uh, It's going to cost them more uh, to produce chocolate bars, so they're going to pass the cost to you. Uh, I don't care for chocolate, so doesn't really bother me too much, but I'm sure it bothers a lot of people. All right, you recall last year, I guess it was last March, it's almost a year ago, uh, this happened, that Silicon Valley Bank failed, uh, shocking the banking system, shocking the markets, seemingly coming out of nowhere, and the reason why they failed to uh, uh, refresh your memory is because... uh, uh, tech companies who use that bank uh, were withdrawing quite a bit of money uh, for operational purposes. And uh, the bank, uh, which took all these deposits and bought long-term U.S. Treasury bonds at 15 to 2%, uh, were forced to liquidate these bonds at huge losses. Because, again, the Fed raised interest rates very much. And when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Uh, So if you hold them to maturity, that's fine. But the bank was forced to liquidate these bonds to make good to depositors. Uh, And it happened to a few other ones. We had, what, uh, three big banks, three of the biggest banks ever to to go bankrupt, uh, to go under. Well, now it looks like um, this may be coming back. Now, the Federal Reserve, to stop the bleeding back in March of last year, 
set up their bank lending uh, term facility. Uh, all it means is another bailout for the banks, but they use these nice terms. And, and what they did is they said, look, you got all these bonds that are down 30 to 50 percent. And people are pulling money out of the bank. So we'll buy your bonds. We'll take them off your hands. And we'll give you 100% what they, their full value is. And you can make good on your deposits. And uh, next year, you're going to come back and buy them back from us. Uh, including uh, paying back the extra money we gave you, which is the full value that wasn't there. Now, this program ends in March. But will it end in March? I don't know, because this news came out on Thursday. New York Community Bank Corp stock crushed on surprise loss, dividend cut, and cost of two loans. Um, so they cut their dividend from $0.17 cents to $0.05 cents to try to build up capital. Now, what's unique about New York Community Bank, they're the ones who acquired the failing Signature Bank, not Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, a different bank that failed at the same time. So they came out and they surprised the market. The stock lost more than a third of its value on Wednesday. It was the steepest one-day decline ever for that stock, which has been around a long time. So it posted a surprise loss um, and signaled challenges in the office space sector with one or two troubled loans. Now, you remember we're talking about commercial real estate, how there's so much debt out there that has to be refinanced at much higher interest rates. But meanwhile, the value of the collateral, the value of these office buildings that are half empty because people are working from home now have dropped a lot. So now we're seeing some of these loans turning bad and hurting the bank. Um. So uh, it affected the entire banking sector on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, but uh, this may be another uh, bank to go out. And now, if I had my money in uh, New York Community Bank, uh, I'd be there Monday morning uh, taking it out. Oh, Lou, now you're going to start a bank run, you know? Uh, I don't care. If that's the right thing for my listeners to do, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I wouldn't have my money in there. Oh, it's FDIC insured, Lou. Yeah, up to $250,000. If I had more than that in that bank, I'd certainly pull it. You know how many businesses have more than 250000 in New York Community Bank? Uh, they're going to be pulling their money out. So we got to keep a, a good eye on the regional banks over the coming week uh, to see what's going on there. Uh, and I don't know how the... Um, Fed's going to be able to shut down their, their bank lending facility uh, when it's being used every day. And what are they going to do when that one-year period is up and the, these banks have to pay back the money? We'll see. Uh, other regional banks followed. Uh, New York Bank uh, Corp stock down. Uh, but boy... Um, we were talking about short selling earlier in the program. Boy, I love to have been short bank, New York Community Bank, and made 40% in one day. Um, that's where selling short really works when really bad news comes out. Uh, so we're going to keep an eye on the banks, and we'll report it to you um, 
uh, on this program. Uh, my guess is that next week's program will have a lot to talk about. Because, again, the banking crisis never went away. Uh, and it's, uh, as we said earlier in the year, I mean, uh, late last year, it's going to come back. All they did was paper, paper it over. And here's some other stock. Western Alliance Bancorp. Stock went from seventy dollars uh, on January thirtieth to fifty six dollars on Thursday. That's a pretty significant loss, I would say. Uh, shares of Zions Bank Corp, Comerica, Webster Financial are also tumbling with, uh, along with Citizens Financial, Regions Financial, South State, Prosperity Bank shares, Schwab Bank, Pacific West, Huntington Bank shares. Uh, maybe the market's finally pricing in the end of this bank uh, term trading facility. Um, and they know the chaos that's going to ensue from that. So the entire regional banking index uh, really got hit hard uh, over a two or three day period this past week. So we'll keep an eye on it. All right. So earlier on, I was talking to you about how I think that this jobs number was fudged. Uh, just like other numbers that the Biden administration is putting out. Uh, and after I recorded that, I saw that uh, on Fox Business, they were talking about the same thing. Uh, it's, just, it's just not crazy Lou um, Skatigna out there uh, saying it. Now you have the panel uh, on Bartiromo's show uh, talking about how this just doesn't add up. Uh, Rebecca, how do you see this report? It's a shock, actually. And, you know, Maria, it doesn't jive, which is the Challenger report just said that U.S. employers announced 82,000 job cuts in the month of January. So where are all these jobs coming from? Obviously, need to look at the details, but it does not compute. They do not add up. And I think that, you know, you've got UPS saying 12,000, City saying 20,000. Yeah. We're getting these consistently big announcements of massive layoffs, and yet we come with a job report that's like the best jobs report we've seen in six months. Yeah. What is happening with the BLS data. What is happening? So that was uh, Mornings with Maria on uh, Fox Business. I don't know who the woman was that was on there saying that, but uh, they were discussing this around the table. And where did you hear this? Just a little while ago, right? Almost word for word what I said. And here you have a mainstream media outlet, Fox Business, uh, questioning it. And when you have uh, mainstream media starting to question it, uh, you know it's totally out of whack. so uh, I thought I'd play it for you, uh, just to tell you, it's not just Lou Skatigna here who's losing his mind and is always negative. Uh, it's also uh, Fox Business saying the same thing. All right, a new study is predicting that thousands of American cities will become ghost towns by the year 2100 due to a mix of various social and economic factors. And we see it now. I mean, we see the shitholes that these cities have become, the lawlessness, the crime. Uh, and uh, people are fleeing. And we've already seen massive decay in, in, in mo- many cities here. You know, think about Detroit, or Philadelphia, New York City. They're all decaying in front of our eyes. And then you have all these left-wing progressive policies of not enforcing the law. Uh, we saw this past week, these migrants, that's the new name for illegal aliens, um, a group of them were, 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 were kicking and beating two cops who were trying to arrest one of them. And uh, they were let out with no bail the same day. 
and now uh, they've left New York and they're on their way to California. Uh, there's no consequences for anything these people do. And that's just fine with the left in this country. Um, so are you surprised that people are fleeing these places? A new study using existing trends from over the past 20 years predicted population decline in thousands of American cities over the next 80 years. Researchers at the University of Illinois, Chicago, used population projections to find that by the year 2100, almost half of the nearly 30,000 cities in the U.S. will experience a population decline. This 30,000 cities in the U.S.? What did they... What did they quantify as a city. I mean, what's the population to quantify as a city? Uh, 30,000 cities? Uh, I don't know. But they're saying almost half will experience a population decline. The population decline would represent 12 to 23% of the population of these cities. The study states, the aftermath of such a decline will bring unprecedented challenges. The study explains further. These cities could lose, uh, face a loss in basic service services like transit, clean water, electricity, and internet access. Furthermore, an issue, um, an, issue depo- an issue depopulation poses is a dwindling tax base that would certainly impact basic city services. So, of course, that's going to happen. Obviously, the less people live in a city, the less taxes the city is going to collect, which means less money for policing, sanitation, uh, infrastructure, maintenance, um, which will make the cities become more and more decayed and more of a crap hole, uh, and more and more people will flee. And we're seeing it now. They're trying to get away from progressive policies. And they know it's going to get worse in these cities. And uh, it's uh, I have no desire to go to any major city run by Democrats. Uh, I'll pass, thank you. Uh, and you're seeing a, a lot of red states are benefiting by it. You know, Texas is seeing an inflow from California. Florida is seeing an inflow from New Jersey, New York, Illinois. And, and this is going to continue. Now, hopefully, uh, the people fleeing to these red states aren't Democrats. You would think that they would learn by what they saw happen to their own cities that made them flee in the first place, that they don't want those same policies to where they're moving to. My concern is, you know, you know, all these left-wing people are going to move to, to Florida, t- turn that, and then move to Texas, and then we're done. Uh, let's just shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to bring to your attention um, uh, a study uh, that recently came out. Um, uh, 2022 Survey of Consumer Finances put out by the Federal Reserve. This is the most current one available, which uh, discusses the net worth uh, or the average net worth of Americans. As a quick review for you, net worth simply is uh, your assets, what you have, minus your debts. That's your net worth. It's very, very simple, although most Americans don't know what their net worth is. But for example, if you have 800000 in assets and you have 200000 in debts, your net worth is 600000 Or in other words, if you sold everything you owned and paid all your debts off, what are you left with? Now... You have to keep in mind the difference, uh, what the differences mean between uh, average and mean. Average takes into account people who have a lot of money. It brings the average net worth up. But median is basically where 50% of Americans 
in a certain age group what their net worth is. So I go more by the median uh, than uh, the average. But let's take a look at, at different age groups and what the average net worth is. And the reason I like these kind of studies, it, it gives people a perspective of where they are compared to other people in their situation and their age group. Now, that may motivate them to cut spending and start saving and try to build it up. Now, that could happen. But it's, all, all, it's interesting to, to know where you stand. And most people don't even know their net worth, so they won't even know where they stood if I told you these numbers. But uh, it's important to figure this out. So let's go with people in their 20s. Let's look at um, an age range between 20 and 24. Now, obviously, these are young people. They may still be in college for two of those years. So, so we're dealing with a young um, group uh, that haven't worked very much. So the average net worth of these individuals is 120896 Now, again, that sounds really high. And, and that's because some uh, in that age group uh, have wealthy parents and grandparents and uh, may have inherited some money or so forth. But the median is 10800 So that's more accurate. Again, the average is pulled up by people who have a lot of money. Now, let's look at the age range of 25 to 29. The average net worth is 120185 uh, That's down a little bit from 20 to 24, which is kind of interesting. But the median net worth is 30160 yeah, That makes sense. Somebody between 25 and 29, uh, maybe they're just starting to put money away for, for a house or something like that. 30160 seems about right. So I'm going to use that uh, as really more uh, indicative of what a, a 25 to 29-year-old uh, net worth would be. And it's understandable that it would be modest, the amount that they have, with the amount of student loans out there and the hyperinflationary environment that we're living in. It doesn't surprise me that uh, an average 20-year-old hasn't accumulated much net worth. But let's go up uh, in age a little bit. Let's go to 30s. Let's go to the age range of 30 to 34. The average net worth now is 258000 And the median net worth is 89801 I thought that was kind of high. I was kind of surprised to hear that the median for someone who's between 30 and 34 is 89801 Maybe they bought their first house when they were in their late 20s and maybe it appreciated a little bit. Uh, they had to put down a down payment. So maybe that's how they got their net worth. Plus, if they're working, they put money in a 401k. I get it. Uh, let's go a little age. Uh, let's go a little higher in age, 35 to 39. Now the average net worth is 501289 And the median net worth now is 141000 So that's pretty good. You know, you're 35 to 39. You've been putting money in your 401k. Hopefully you've been paying down your mortgage. Your house has been appreciating. Uh, uh, $141,200 is pretty good. And I found this group to be uh, probably the most fascinating one of all of them. Because if you look at the huge jump from the early 30s to the late 30s, in both median um, and uh, average net worth, uh, there's a 100% increase in the average net worth and a 60% increase in the median. And again, this is when people really start to hit their earnings stride, and when they start really making some money in their mid to late 30s. They're now established in their fields, and they, they have uh, uh, younger, less expensive children uh, versus older children. Uh, so they're, they're really starting to ramp up their savings, and, and they're likely to own a home. 
both which contribute to the, the to the rising net worth. All right, let's move up to the 40s. How about 40 to 44? Average net worth 590,718, median net worth 134,734. That's a drop in median net worth from 141.2 to 134.7. That's a $7,000 decrease in net worth. Uh, I find that to be quite interesting. Uh, why is it going down during those years of 40 to 44? I'd attribute it to these uh, children are starting to get older. Uh, their expenses are creeping up. Now they want iPhones and you know $100 sneakers and, and whatnot. Uh, and at the same time, though, uh, these people are hitting their peak earnings potential. So it's kind of interesting. What happens between 45 and 49? Now we start seeing acceleration. The net worth rebounds. Uh, 781,223 is the average, uh, and 212,800 is the median. So after that decline between the late 30s and early 40s, boy, we see a big ramp up here. And I think that's because, you know, people are in their peak earning years in their late 40s. They're paying down their house. Their uh, home is going up in value. Um, so that's that's a good thing. Let's go to 50-54. Average net worth, $1,132,532. Uh, the median net worth, 272800 So now we're starting to build net worth uh, as we're getting closer and closer to retirement, which is a good thing. Although, is 272000 net worth in your low 50s good? Uh, I don't think so. I think it needs to be much higher than that. Let's go a little uh, later in life, 55 to 59. Now we're knocking on retirement's doorstep right there, right? We're uh, just getting ready to get into those retirement years. Average net worth, 1442000 Median net worth, 320700 so um, the average net worth is hitting the seven-digit mark um, by going over a million dollars. I would say that if you're in your 50s, it should be around a million dollars. Unless you lived above your means, you refinanced your home six times, you haven't been um, contributing to your 401k like you should be. But if you are, I mean, you, sh- you should be. So your house should be going up. Your 401k should have uh, been compounding over the years. Uh, and you should be saving money elsewhere. So uh, 320000 So if you're 50, 55 to 59 and you don't have 320700 net worth, you're behind. Most Americans your age. Let's go into the 60s. Here's my age group, 60 to 64. Average net worth jumps to one million six hundred seventy-five thousand. The median net worth jumps to three hundred ninety-four thousand. Pretty good. If we go up to sixty-five to sixty-nine, many people now are entering retirement at that age. The median net worth one million eight hundred thirty-six thousand. But the me- the the average net worth one million eight hundred thirty-six thousand. The median net worth actually is unchanged from the early sixties. 394000 almost exactly the same. And this is the decade where you would anticipate net worth uh, to hit its highest. And it does on the average net worth. And like I said, generally most people are retiring in this decade, and then they start living off these assets, you know, instead of accumulating assets. 
And that's what I tell my clients who are in retirement. I said, now the time to accumulate money is over. Now it's the time to spend money. Now's the time to be using your money. And that's the hardest thing I have to do as a financial advisor is to get my clients to understand uh, that spending their money is not a bad thing. Uh, let's go up even a little higher. How about 70 to 74? Uh, the average net worth de- uh, decreases to 1,714 from 1,837. Uh, the median net worth, though, goes up to 433000 versus 394000 If you're 75 to 80, now the net worth and the median uh, net worth drop because people are consuming their assets. These are the years where you have high health care costs and so forth. So the, the average net worth drops from 1714 to $1,630,000. The median drops from 433 to 316. And again, that's because you're dipping into your savings in your later years, medical expenses, giving money away, doing gifting strategies, estate planning. So you have to look and do your net worth, find out where do you stand. And forget the average net worth. That, that's skewed by the, the very wealthy people. But look at these median numbers. I mean, if you're, if you're 65 years old, 66, and your net worth is more than 394000 you're in a top 50% of Americans. If your median net worth is under 394000 you're in the bottom 50%. So it's important to know what your net worth is, see where you stand compared to other people. So what do the top quartiles look like? Okay, when I say the top uh, 25%, if you're under 35, you're in the top uh, 75% uh, with 153,000 net worth. 35 to 44, you're in the top 75% if you have 415. Uh, if you're 40 to 454, to be in the top, well, actually, it's the top 25%, I would guess, uh, uh, it would be 800,000. 55 to 64, 1.12 million. Uh, 65 to 74, 1.176 million. To be in the top 25% of Americans. What about the top 10%? Well, if you're under 35 and you have 372,000 net worth, you're in the top 10% of Americans in your age group. 35 to 44, 1.05 million. 45 to 54, 1.97 million. 55 to 64, 2.96 million. 65 to 74, 2.99 million. And 75 and up, 2.7 million. That's to be in the top 10%. You hear that term, the top 10%? Well, these are the people that are in the top 10%. So I found this news to be fascinating. Uh, You know, the median net worth for Americans is way low. Way low. I mean, 65 to 69, the median net worth is $394,000. How do you live in retirement? And much of that net worth is tied up in your home. Um, so Americans are really really have a lot of work to do to get that net worth up. So uh, use this as a guide. Do your own net worth. See where you fit in here. Are you in the top 50% or are you in the bottom 50%? And if you're in the bottom 50%, put together a plan to become part of the upper 50%. 
All right, so the border crisis is uh, hitting uh, an inflection point here. Uh, obviously, uh, people have had enough of it. The states have had enough of it. Um, and uh, this quarrel between uh, the federal government and Texas, Texas is not backing down. We have this big trucker convoy that came into Texas this week, little reported on it. Um, we got states, what, 25 or 26 states now backing Texas against the federal government. And now we're even having Democrat-controlled cities and Democrat politicians speaking out about it uh, because it's getting out of control, whether it's uh, uh, New York Mayor Adams or uh, other people around the country saying, look, this has got to stop. Our budget's being blown out. Now, this week in um, uh, Chicago, uh, one of the aldermen, aldermen are just city council, city councilmen, so... He came out and he gave a speech and he addressed this. And this is a Democratic politician in a Democratic city. Uh, and even they know now that this is not working and something has to be done about it. Now, I've said this before. If you give me three meals, housing, child care, education, a voucher for $9,000, you know what? I come to Chicago too. And that's what they're doing. They're telling people and they're sending money back to Chicago, I mean back to Venezuela, to come to Chicago because they're saying, hey, the good times are rolling there. They're taking care of everybody. Now when we have, when we have Venezuelans that are driving cars, where'd they get a driver's license? Where did they get insurance from? And then you have Venezuelans being caught with drugs and guns. Where are they getting them from? There you go. So we're at an inflection point here. People have now had enough of this immigration situation that we've had here. Uh, it looks like uh, the impeachment of Mayorkas is going forward, although we're even seeing some House Republicans, wishy-washy House Republicans, saying they don't believe there's enough evidence to impeach this guy. Are you kidding me? Then you had that story, I brought it up before, um, that five illegal migrants were caught on camera attacking two New York Police Department cops in Times Square. They were arrested, they were set free on no bail, and then they were given free bus tickets to California. So in this country, it's okay to sneak into our country illegally, come to one of our cities, assault our cops, and then just move on without any repercussions or accountability. Uh, it's just unbelievable. That shows you how bad things have gone in our cities, in our country. And then following his release, you know, this uh, Johan Boada, 22 years old. You remember this guy smirking, giving two middle fingers to the camera, to the media? basically to all, every one of us that are illegal American citizens. When asked, asked if uh, he should be deported, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul said, I think that's actually something that should be looked at. Adding, I mean, if someone commits a crime against a police officer, officer in the state of New York and they're not here legally, it's definitely worth checking into. Why not say yes? That's the answer to that question. It's not a yes or no answer. 
She goes on to say, these are law enforcement officers who should never under any circumstances be subject to physical assault, blah, blah, blah. It's wrong on all accounts, and I'm looking to judges and prosecutors to do the right thing, which they won't. Mayor Eric Adams, you know, he was upset about it too, suggested that lawmakers need to re-examine laws that prevent deportation. Those migrants who are here because they want to be part of the American dream, we say yes to that, said Adams, but those who are breaking our laws, we need to re-examine the laws that don't allow us to deport them because they are doing violent acts. We cannot create an atmosphere where you're going to bring violence to our city. Uh, now New York City is looking for these five that have been taken to California. Uh, all five of the hopped on a bus bound for California on Wednesday after giving phony names to a church-affiliated nonprofit group that helps migrants get rides out of the city. <sighs> totally outrageous. Totally outrageous. All right, let's get back to uh, immigration. Um, uh, in the House of Representatives, there was a bill out this week um, that would deport criminal migrants who commit social security fraud. And the only way you can commit social security fraud is by uh, identity theft of seniors. Um, you know, Democrats like to talk a big game about uh, Republicans attack social security. They want to cut your social security. But 75% of House Democrats voted against deporting migrants who commit social security fraud. This was a bill that was introduced by Rep. Tom McClintock, Republican from California, of course. Um, the bill passed with 172 yeses and uh, 155 noes. All the noes were Democrats, uh, but 55 of them, at least 55 of them, had some common sense and voted for the bill. They must be in uh, districts that really are not happy about immigration. Uh, they have an election this coming uh, November, right? Uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the, they, these people can't do any wrong as far as Democrats are concerned. These illegals coming in cannot do any wrong. And these 75% of, uh, these 75% of Democrats, 155 of them, hopefully uh, they will be voted out of office or maybe a large portion of them will. Also, 75% of uh, Democrats also uh, voted against a bill that would deport illegals that come in here and get busted for drunk driving. 75% uh, of Democrats don't believe that that's a problem. Putting us, uh, every man, woman, and child in this country at risk, and many of these people are, that come in this country are alcoholics, Drug, you know, drug abusers. And how did he get a car? Like this alderman said, how did he get a car? How did he get car insurance? Where's that money come from? And all these people coming into our country, I mean, we don't know. They're not being vetted. We don't know if they're being released from jails, if they're rapists, if they're child traffickers, if they're mentally ill, or they're gangbangers. We have no idea. Or terrorists. Many of these people are single, military-age men. They're being brought over here by NGOs, non-government organizations, being funded by who? And where's this $9,000 voucher being given to these uh, uh, illegals in, in Chicago? Where's that money coming from? 
This is an organized, well-financed operation, an invasion of our country. And it's got to stop. And uh, Trump has to only, this is the, the, the one issue that if just Trump just runs on this alone, he's going to win by a landslide. Because Americans are fed up with this. And they're so fed up with the, this administration doing anything they can to suppress Texas from protecting their own, our own border. And Texas is doing the job that the federal government should do. And the crazy left wants Biden to take over the Texas National Guard. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. That would be good for our country. Uh, Back to Congress uh, this week. uh, The head of all the big tech companies were being grilled over sexual exploitation of children on uh, on their platforms, be it TikTok, Snap, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. So they were asked to explain the safety features, you know, of their respective apps. And there is none, really. Uh, Ted Cruz was uh, particularly good, as he usually is. And he was talking to to Zuckerberg about it. And uh, uh, he actually, Ted Cruz actually shocked the audience. And he stated that uh, he was grilling Zuckerberg about uh, Instagram connecting pedophiles with child exploitation material with the company even flagging certain content and letting people continue on onto it basically helping pedophiles find child porn listen in other cases the accounts included in, in june of 2023 the wall street journal reported that instagram's recommendation systems were actively connecting pedophiles to accounts that were advertising the sale of child sexual abuse material. In many cases, those accounts appeared to be run by underage children themselves, often using code words and emojis to advertise illicit material. In other cases, the accounts included indicia that the victim was being sex trafficked. Now, I know that Instagram has a team that works to prevent the abuse and exploitation of children online. But what was particularly concerning about the Wall Street Journal expose was the degree to which Instagram's own algorithm was promoting the discoverability of victims for pedophiles seeking child abuse material. In other words, this material wasn't just living on the dark corners of Instagram. Instagram was helping pedophiles find it by promoting graphic hashtags, including hashtag ped whore and hashtag preteen sex to potential buyers. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. These results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, The basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to 
rather than just blocking it to help direct them towards something that um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In, in what I also, understand, get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for C results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong. We we try to trigger this this uh, warning, or we tried to um, when we. Think that there's any chance that the results? Okay, you might, might be, be wrong. Let me ask you: How many times was this warning screen displayed? I don't know, but the but the hey, you don't know. Why don't you know? I, I I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. But what well, you know what, Mr. Zuckerberg? It's interesting you say you don't know it off the top of your head because I asked it in June of 2023 in an overlight oversight letter, and your company refused to answer. Will you commit right now to within five days answering this question for this committee? We'll follow up on that. Is that a yes? Not a we'll follow up. I know how lawyers write statements saying we're not going to answer. Will you tell us how many times this warning screen was displayed? Yes or no? Senator, I'll personally look into it. I'm not sure if we have. Okay, so you're refusing to answer that. Let me ask you this. How many times did an Instagram user who got this warning that you're seeing images of child sexual abuse, how many times did that user click on see results anyway? I want to see that. Senator, I'm not sure if we stored that, but I'll personally look into this and we'll follow up after. And what? Boy, Ted Cruz was fired up there, wasn't he? And rightfully so. I mean, this was a pretty much a uh, a pretty bombshell thing that that Instagram is helping pedophiles find material. Uh, that's pretty outrageous. But don't you go on any of these platforms and talk about the vaccine being bad for you. Or mention that uh, maybe there was uh, some improprieties in the 2020 election. You'll be banned. You'll be uh, censored. But if you're a pedophile and you're wanting want to find child uh, sex materials, uh, uh, we're going to help you. Uh, now, this was a bipartisan thing. He was getting hit from both sides. Now, usually when there's a witness there, you know, Democrats will, will defend them and uh, the Republicans will go after him or vice versa. Uh, but this time, uh, the Democrats are going after him, too. And these uh, high-tech, big-tech uh, social platforms need to be regulated uh, because it's Wild West right now. And they've got to be regulated from a censorship perspective, uh, from election interference perspective, and certainly uh, from a sexual exploitation of children perspective, number one. Uh, but he was, uh, he was squirming in his seat. Now, Josh Howley, Senator Josh Howley, really pressured Zuckerberg when uh, the hearing started. Uh, He pressured him to apologize to the parents of children who were exploited because of their platforms or killed in some cases. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? You know, 
Why, Mr. Zuckerberg, why should your company not be sued for this? Why is it that you can claim you hide behind a liability shield? You can't be held accountable. Shouldn't you be held accountable personally? Will you take personal responsibility? Senator, I, I think I've already answered this. I mean, this is these well, are try us again. Issues. Will you take personal responsibility? Senator, I view my job and the job of our company as building the best tools that we can to keep our community safe. Well, you're failing at that. To, well, Senator, we're doing an industry-leading effort. We build AI oh, tools nonsense. that... Your product is killing people. Will you personally commit to compensating the victims? You're a billionaire. Will you commit to compensating the victims? Will you set up a compensation fund? Senator, with your money. I think these are... These are with your money. Senator, these are complicated yes, that, No, that, that's not a complicated and, question, though. That's Senator, a yes or no. Will you set up a victim's compensation fund with your money, the money you made on these families sitting behind you? Yes or no? Senator, I don't think that that's... Uh, my job is to Sounds make sure like a no. good tools. My, my Sounds job like is a no. to make sure that... Your job is to be responsible for what your company has done. You've made billions of dollars on the people sitting behind them. Are you here? You've done nothing to help them. You've done nothing to compensate them. You've done nothing to put it right. You could do so here today, and you should. You should, Mr. Zuckerberg. So that was kind of a mealy, weak apology to these people. It's hard to hear because it wasn't too loud. Uh... But I tell you, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley fired up on this subject. And again, rightfully so. With children being exploited on their social platforms, it's, uh, it's infuriating, to say the least. Mr. Zuckerberg, are you willing to use your own money to set up a compensation fund to all these people that you've harmed, these families you've harmed? No, 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 no. He doesn't want to use his own money for anything. You can tell, right? wasn't a good day for Mr. Zuckerberg and the other CEOs of the big social media platforms on that day. Uh, they were being attacked uh, from both the Democrats and the Republicans. And it's pretty obvious after watching this uh, hearing that there's going to be some significant uh, bills drawn up to rein in uh, social media. And hopefully uh, they'll be reined in as far as censorship goes as well. Uh, uh, but obviously the most important thing is that children aren't being harmed because of his social media platforms or any of them. On Wednesday, the House uh, passed a $78 billion bipartisan tax package, which uh, revives uh, various business tax breaks related to research and development and capital expenses and expands the child tax credit. The vote passed uh, 357 to 70, so it was pretty bipartisan. And uh, this is a major win um, for House Ways and Means Committee Chair uh, Jason Smith. And uh, it handed uh, Democrats a significant win on the child tax credit. That's what they wanted. Uh, it still faces some pretty serious uh, hurdles in the Senate. Uh, and I don't think the Senate is going to get to it for some time because they got a lot of stuff on their plate. Uh, but we don't know if it is going to pass the Senate. Now, uh, Matt Gates uh, is vehemently opposed to this. He says this is not a tax bill, that it's actually a welfare, welfare bill. It's a welfare bill for businesses because it gives them tax breaks on their research and development and their capital expenditures. Uh, Republicans like that. Uh, business lobbyists, obviously, were pushing them for that. Uh, and the Democrats like the fact that there's a child tax credit increase. Now, the current uh, child tax credit is $2,000 per child 
16 or younger. So if you have two children, uh, you get $4,000 in a tax credit, which offsets your other taxes. And it's even refundable. If it creates a refund for you, you get that back. So in essence, it's getting paid uh, just because you have children. The government writes you a check of $2,000. Now, according to this new bill that just passed the House, in a very bipartisan fashion, you don't see that too often, uh, 357 to 70, uh, they're going to raise that $2,000 per child, 16 and under, to 3600 It's a substantial increase. Uh, and that money is just paid by the government to families because they have children. And it's, it's quite a bit of money. Now, experts say, well, that'll bring 400,000 children out of poverty. But where's the money come from? The country's going bankrupt. And I'm not sure I agree with the corporate uh, tax cuts either. Um, but this, uh, this child tax credit is welfare. It's what it is. Just like the earned income credit, where even if you paid no taxes, you get a big refund. Uh, I just did a tax return for a single mother. Uh, she would have got uh, maybe a $200 uh, refund without the earned income credit. With the earned income credit, she got $6,900 in a refund from the federal government and a $2,600 refund on her earned income credit for the state of New Jersey. So she got nine, almost $9,000 of money that was never withheld from her paycheck or anything, and it's just welfare. Uh, now, she only made $16,000 last year, so, I mean, I guess it's helpful, I mean, for, for her, but is it good for the country? I don't know. Well, Matt Gates, a Republican uh, Freedom Caucus guy, uh, is one of the guys who voted against it, and this is what he had to say on the House floor uh, about this uh, bill that just passed out. To the extent that this is a tax bill, there are good provisions in it on business expensing for economic growth. But my friends, this is not a tax bill. This is a welfare bill masquerading as a tax bill. The Wall Street Journal was correct to identify the ways in which this legislation vastly expands the welfare state. And so this is how the bipartisan agreement came together. If the Republicans were willing to give the Democrats what they wanted for illegal aliens to get massive subsidies in welfare, then the Democrats were willing to give the Republicans what they wanted on a bunch of business welfare. The child tax credit, as currently contemplated, will be a massive pull factor to bring people into this country illegally. And we could have as the majority party demanded constraints to stop them from being able to use the money that way, but, but bipartisanship was more important than good policy. And as my friend from Kentucky, Mr. Massey, noted recently, if you aren't paying taxes and you get a refundable tax credit in the form of a check, that's not a tax cut. That's not even tax policy. That's just welfare. They're just giving people money that didn't initially pay it in, and a bunch of them are here illegally. But it is not just a welfare bill. 
in that respect, it's also corporate welfare. These R&D tax credits that they've put in there are so targeted, they're bought and paid for by the lobbyists who fund their campaigns and give them donations, and it is entirely wrong. We should have a flat tax code, and the R&D tax credits that they're putting in are, are deeply misguided. They continue to distort the economy. And frankly, it's just another flavor of a lot of the Green New Deal tax credits that you act like you're against. But indeed, Mr. Speaker, that is not the case. This is not a tax bill. It is a welfare bill in drag. And that may be appealing to some of the proponents. I yield back. Well, if you're a family that has a bunch of kids under 16, uh, this is the best news you possibly get here. Uh, there's even talk about bringing back the monthly checks. Remember they were doing that for a while? Direct depositing $300 a month for six months, and then you get the balance of the credit on your tax return. Um, uh, maybe they're going to try to get checks in the hands of people just prior to the election. We'll see about that. Uh, I think the Senate will pass it eventually. Uh, it's got something for the Republicans where they have corporate tax breaks. Republicans love that stuff. It's got something for the Democrats, uh, welfare for uh, the middle and lower class. Uh, Democrats love that. So uh, my guess is that they're going to push this through, and this will become the law of the land. I talk to my wife. Maybe we're going to have a few more kids. I don't think that's possible, given that my wife is 62 years old. Um, but uh, I guess I guess if uh, men can still have children until they're, they're in their 80s. Men never go through men opause. <laughs> Women go through men opause. Uh, so maybe I'll go have myself a couple of couple of child tax credits. What do you think? How about a tax bill that does away with taxes? That would be a good one. I mean, the government steals our money so many different ways. If you earn income, you pay an income tax, right? If you own a home, you pay property tax. If you spend your money, you pay sales tax. If you invest it, you got capital gains tax. Uh, if you have a profitable business, you have business taxes. If you give too much money away, you have a gift tax. And in uh, many cases, if you die, you have an estate tax or you have an inheritance tax in certain states like New Jersey. And if you don't do anything, if you just save your money in a bank account, you have inflation tax, which is a tax also. So they tax you every, every which way. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Financial Physician Podcast. I'm Lou Skatignan. Uncle Wake. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. 
Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. AFM Investments' Lou Skatigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMInvestments.net. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Back during Christmas time, I told you about uh, this uh, Iowa Capitol had put up uh, a satanic shrine of Baphomet, the goat-headed symbol of Satanism. And a Christian man... uh, decapitated the statue. And now he's been charged with a hate crime. Yep. Really. It's really, he was really charged with a hate crime. So if you object to satanic displays in public buildings, you are now considered hateful. Do you believe this? This is where our country is right now. Uh, if you're opposed to Satanism, you are considered hateful. And not only are you going to be charged with trespassing or uh, damaging property, now he's going to be charged with a hate crime. And he said he took the action, he said, to awaken Christians to the anti-Christian acts promoted by our government. So instead of simply charging him with a misdemeanor damage or property or vandalism, uh, the Polk County prosecutors charged the veteran with felony third-degree criminal mischief, arguing that the act was in violations in violation of individual rights under Iowa's hate crime statute. It's uh, it's it's more of this craziness that we've been living in. And, uh, of course, he's going to fight it. You know, we got leftists, you know, tearing down statues all over the country. That's okay. 
You could you could you could tear down a statue of Columbus, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington. None are held accountable. None are charged with a hate crime. This guy knocks over a Satan statue and gets charged with a hate crime. I'm telling you, people, where I t- I say it every week. We were involved in a war of good versus evil. This is evil stuff. Uh, Speaking of evil stuff, listen to this. Democrats in Maine are are poised to advance legislation that would grant the state emergency jurisdiction over children whose parents refuse to subject them to sex change mutilations and other confusing Affirm, um, confusion affirming medical interventions. Additionally, it would prevent authorities from reuniting runaways with parents out of state if they travel to Maine to have their genitals removed. Um, this bill resembles uh, kidnapping legislation that we see in other Democratic-run states. California. Uh, California now is a sanctuary for child sex change operations. So if this act passes, and and it's moving, the Democrats are pushing it, courts would be prohibited from considering the abduction of a child from a parent or guardian who has legal custody if the taking or retention was for obtaining gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming or gender-affirming mental health care. So you don't consider it abduction. If the state comes in, and takes a child out of his their parents' house because of gender-affirming health care, that's not considered abduction. Courts will be authorized to take temporary jurisdiction because a child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. Law enforcement would be barred from participating in the arrest or extradition of an individual pursu- uh, pursuant to an out-of-state arrest warrant based on laws against the sexual mutilization of children. So um, children could be uh, kidnapped from their parents and made wards of the state. um, And thereafter, they would have access to state-funded programs um, that pay down the cost of the irreversible procedures. Unbelievable. These Democrats are evil, my, my friends. This is sick. This cannot pass. Well, look what happened here. Um, here's another story. Uh, Montana Child Protective Services medically kidnapped teen girl to Wyoming for gender-affirming care. Fully revokes parent- parental custody. So Montana's Child Protective Services has been accused of forcibly transporting a 14-year-old girl from her family in Montana to Wyoming for gender transition treatment, leading to the complete revocation of the parent's custody. Uh, Todd and Krista Kolstad have been embroiled in a legal and emotional struggle for their 14-year-old daughter after Montana Child Protection Services took drastic action that is tantamount to kidnapping. In April 2023, the Montana legislature passed State Bill 99, which banned the medical transitioning of minors. So, however, Wyoming next door does not have that law. So Montana's Child Protective uh, Services took this girl and brought her to Wyoming 
so she could have uh, this uh, medical transition that's totally opposed by the parents. Uh, this is crazy stuff. Uh, this is what Democratic states do. And now you have Maine wanted to make it perfectly fine for the state to come in to your house, grab one of your kids, and allow them to go through genetic mutilation or whatever. And the parents have no rights. This is outrageous. Uh, this better not pass. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did in the world that we live in right now. Uh, more and more mass media are, are dying off as uh, people just don't trust them anymore. They know they lie to us. They're so woke. They're so left wing. They're just uh, a mouthpiece of the Democratic Party. And one by one, we're seeing them start laying off tons of people. Many of them are going bankrupt. Vox. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Sports Illustrated totally going under after they got woke. New York Times laying people off. Washington Post. Uh, Los Angeles Times has laid off like 15% of their, their news force. Uh, this week, uh, another uh, internet website called The Messenger is shutting down, uh, getting rid of 300 staffers. And meanwhile, you see that uh, alternative news sites, conservative news sites, certain shows on Fox News, uh, their ratings are going up. People want truth. They don't want spun, fake propaganda. I got to say, I love it. I love when I hear that these left-wing media outlets are going broke. Gives me a perverse pleasure, I must say. Hopefully they'll all go broke. Then what are we going to have as propaganda? <laughs> There's no left-wing media. Nobody's listening to it anymore. I guess the government will just pump it into your house some way. Kind of like uh, George Orwell's 1984. Nothing would surprise me these days. All right, let's end up talking about um, uh, Joe Biden's uh, lack of leadership when it comes to foreign policy, uh, namely dealing with Iran. Uh, we've been attacked 170 times on various bases in the Middle East from our, our Iran proxies. Uh, the worst being the, the loss of three service people last week in Jordan. Uh, and meanwhile, we answered, We always answer the same way. We'll, we'll take care of this uh, at a place and time uh, that we choose. Uh, we don't want to start a war with Iran. That, 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 that's what they always come out and say. And nothing ever happens. Now, do I believe that we should go into Iran and start bombing uh, the country? No. I don't think World War III is a good thing for anybody. Iran came out this week and said, if, you know, we attack Iran in any way, they will retaliate heavily. And, you know, then that, that goes down the slippery path. Uh, but it looks like uh, Biden's made his decision. Uh, and, we, you know, what we're going to do some meaningless bombings uh, of Syria, Iraq, a base here and there. They already had the heads up. I mean, all this time, all this delay. You know, might as well call the Ayatollahs and tell them exactly where we're going to bomb. 
So we're going to bomb meaningless targets in Syria and Iraq. And the media is going to say what a strong leader Biden is. That he's taking out. Now, meanwhile, we have the war hawks in Congress. I mean, they just want us to go into Iran and just, you know, bomb the crap out of them. Uh, uh, Especially Lindsey Graham. I mean, he's the biggest war hawk we have out there. Um, It's a fine line, I guess, the administration has to play between, you know, protecting our service people and retaliating uh, and not escalating the war even further. So, again, I um, I hope I'm totally wrong on this, um, but I think one morning we're going to wake up and hear one of our Navy ships have been sunk or severely damaged by missiles. Uh, and then it's uh, go time for us at that point. Um, but it's a very dangerous situation in the Middle East right now. There's some talk that uh, I'm taping this uh, Friday afternoon that there may be some negotiations between uh, Israel and Hamas that would uh, have a... Uh, significant ceasefire for a certain amount of time, uh, and a bunch of hostages will be released. Uh, but that has not come to fruition yet. Uh, as I'm recording this, um, we'll see if it if it happens on Saturday. If it does, I'll you know I'll comment on it here. Uh, but right now, the Middle East is a, a powder keg, and all it takes is one error, one mistake, uh, and uh, it could bring us down that path to World War III, which is uh, in nobody's best interest. Um, nobody. As I predicted earlier in the show, uh, Joe Biden was going to uh, either uh, come out and take a victory lap on the jobs uh, number that was totally uh, fraudulent uh, and spin it into everything is great. Biden is working. Vote for me. Now, I guess I couldn't get him out of bed this morning because they released a prepared statement, or at least I didn't see him. Uh, uh, on camera saying this, but this is a statement that the president put out. America's economy is the strongest in the world. Today, we saw more proof with another month of strong wage gains and employment gains of over 350,000 in January, continuing the strong growth from last year. Our economy has created 14.8 million jobs since I took office. Unemployment has been under 4% for two full years now. And inflation has been at pre-pandemic level of 2% over the last half year. It's great news for working families that wages, wealth, and jobs are higher now than before the pandemic. And I won't stop fighting to lower costs and build an economy from the middle out and the bottom up. I'll continue to stand in the way of efforts of congressional Republicans to enact massive tax giveaways for the wealthy and big corporations, cut Medicare, cut Medicaid and Social Security, and raise costs for American families. Boy, he he, he covered it all on that one. America's the greatest economy of the world. Uh, well, yay, yay, those 350,000 fake jobs. Uh, add that to the 14.8 million I've created. Meanwhile, people just going back to work after the pandemic. Uh, God, it's just, uh, and then you have to get into that Medicaid, cut the Medicaid, Social Security. You got to get that in. Uh, it's so predictable, these people. So predictable. And they're going to continue to do that. These numbers that you're going to hear out of the government are all going to be better than expected. Mark my word on it. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you. This was lower than expected. Uh, But the GDP, the monthly jobs report, and the CPI are all going to be better than expected. Every month, if not every month, most of the months, 
between now and November. After November, everything will be revised to the horrible numbers that there truly are. But I don't think uh, Americans are going to be that stupid uh, to believe that everything is great. I just don't. All right, let's end the show with something I'm pretty sure is going to piss you off. <laughs> kind of piss me off. Uh, it looks like New York City is going to launch a $53 million pilot program to hand out prepaid credit cards to migrant families housed in hotels. According to a report, the New York Post signing city records reported that 500 migrant families at the Roosevelt Hotel will receive prepaid cards to help them buy food. The program is intended to replace the current food service provided there. Not only will this provide families with the ability to purchase fresh food for their culturally relevant diets and the baby supplies of their choosing, but the pilot program is expected to save New York City more than 600000 per month or more than $7.2 million annually. How is giving them a prepaid credit card saving the city money? I don't know how that works. Where's the money come from? Now, according to uh, the mayor, um, the prepaid cards may only be used at bodegas, grocery stores, supermarkets, and convenience stores. Migrants eligible for the program must sign an affidavit stating they will only spend the funds on food and baby supplies or else they would lose access to the funds. Sure. Uh, yeah, who's going to follow around all these people to make sure that they're spending this money properly? Is somebody going to really monitor this? Uh, how many people are going to be going to liquor stores with it? Uh, we'll see. The amount available to each migrant family depends on their size and how much income they are receiving, according to the contract reviewed by the Post. A family of four might be provided nearly $1,000 a month. The cards are replenished every 28 days. So uh, another incentive for uh, these illegals to be coming to our country, coming to New York City, Give them free food. Give them free housing. Give them a um, cell phone, cell phone service. How would you like to be a, a homeless veteran on the streets in New York, right? And these illegals are getting a thousand dollars a month from the from the city of New York, and you're begging on the street to get money for food. It's out of control, people. It's nuts. We're living in a nutty world, and it's getting worse by the day. Um, all right, uh, before we go, um, it's true, uh, we were talking about it earlier, that the United States did retaliatory strikes against Iran, Iranian proxies in Syria and Iraq. It uh, doesn't look like it's anything big. Just uh, Biden trying to save some face because the pressure was getting to him. Uh, of course, he won't do anything meaningful to Iran. Uh, I'm not saying he should, but I'm just saying he did exactly what we thought he was going to do. All right, that's the end of our program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing the link to this podcast. That's the way the podcast grows. I thank you so much for doing that. I love each and every one of you. You want to get in touch with me, my email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to make an appointment for either income tax preparation or for a, a financial planning review, give my office a call at 732 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. 8100. Have a wonderful week, and don't you ever forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a good week.